Hi guys and welcome back for episode 16 of Unfiltered. Hi Mark. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. I'm very well. I'm sweating like crazy just for full transparency. <laughs> it's a really warm day. It's a bit warm. I She's spend a bit the day, shiny. I spent the day at the beach. Oh lucky you. So um, I'm actually okay. I'm quite relaxed. Thrilled for you. You're welcome. So obviously last week we were talking about the election. Yes. The uh, supposed results of the election because there were a lot of uh, opinions about our episode, which I know that you got to have a look at. Yes. What was your sort of feeling about how the episode was received? I think it's very divisive. I think uh, just like the US election, yes. everyone is very divided on their opinions yes. on this podcast and yes. also on... Uh, the election result. Yeah, very spirited debate over in the comments section. That is the beauty of democracy. We do love that. Mm. And free press. <laughs> and the ability to share all of our majestic opinions on social yes. media. Yes. Yeah. It's, but it's it, quite nice. Yeah, definitely made for an interesting mm. episode. So this week we're going to be talking first and foremost about the Free Britney movement. I know that I've been asked to talk about it on my channel. And then when we started doing these episodes together, people were asking us to dive into the Free Britney movement, our opinions, unpacking it. And to be perfectly honest, it's not something I was really across. I'd heard about it. I had seen various articles about it. Is this something that you're aware of, like this huge movement that's popped up in the last 12 months? You know, I've always seen the Free Britney hashtag and I didn't really know what it meant. I just thought this was some sort of social media craze. Um, but obviously it's got to do with her conservative conservative <laughs> conservatorship conservatorship i can't actually say it hello journalism um i can't say it conservatorship yeah yeah you got it it's hard you got it that's the only time i'll be saying it today <laughs> the c word okay easy should i call the episode that yeah sure yeah why not i like that so as a little bit of background, the Free Britney movement really picked up momentum in the last 12 months on social media. It's a movement that was started by Britney's fan base uh, with the aim of freeing her from her very strict conservatorship. So as many of us who have been on the planet for this long will remember, back in 2007, there are a series of events which uh, occurred with Britney Spears in terms of her mental health and her decline in terms of her career and just her overall well-being. Mm. Uh, she was put on a psychiatric hold and in the process of that had the custody of her kids taken away and her father stepped in to take control of her as a person but also of her estate. So this is something I didn't realise. Mm. I had the understanding at the time that yes, that meant that he could make financial decisions for her, that he could basically be a bit of a safeguard for who was allowed in and out of her life because she was hanging out with some people who are probably not that great of an influence. Um, but in addition to that, for the last 12 years since he became her conservator, she can't drive, she can't vote, she can't hire her own legal representation, can't spend her own money, can't have oversight over how her money is being spent can't contact anyone or use social media without it being monitored and can't decide when she can see her own kids. And then what happens if she breaches that? I mean, for example, because there are some social media posts that she's made recently where I think during lockdown she was doing exercising and showing people what she does to stay fit during mm. lockdown. Mm. But, I mean, most of those videos, she looks quite unwell. Yes. And... She's not really all there in mm. terms of her engagement 
Um, Compared, yes, very much to old clips of her, it seemed even even her mental state post the breakdown that she had in 2007. Do you remember that documentary she did, Brittany on the record or off the record, whatever yeah. it was called? Even how she communicates and it presents herself in that documentary is worlds away from what her mental state appears to be. And we're not here to diagnose anybody, but there is a stark difference in how she speaks, how she... Well, she talks like a little girl now. Yes. She, she sort of almost talks like a child and even her vocabulary, everything's quite very simple and it's sort of yeah. got this sort of innocence to it. But then obviously there's something going on because she's, you know, an adult and she's been an adult for a long time and yeah. it sort of seems really quite um, abnormal, her behaviour. Yeah, and I think that can be explained in a couple of ways. Yes, it could be her overall mental state. It could also be because she's so aware that everything that she is putting up on social media, how she she's got this big barrier between her and the outside world with all these eyes on her business managers, obviously her father, all of her lawyers and all these people who basically dictate every single micro detail of her life. And there's been some conspiracy theories that I've heard in the last, you know, 12 months or so that I was a bit skeptical about, but it does kind of make sense when you see the long litany of things that she does not have control over. For instance, there was a social media post she put up and one of her fans commented if you need help regarding like hashtag free Britney wear a yellow top in your next post and within hours she put up another post and she was wearing a yellow top yeah and that could all be coincidence but these sorts of things have actually happened in succession and too frequently and back to back for people not even me who's fairly skeptical to go oh there might be something going on there yeah I, I find the whole thing very bizarre. I mean, I've never heard about it until mm. Brittany, really. Um, and I wonder, I mean, obviously there are reasons this exists. Mm. and But also it places a lot of um, onus on the person who's going to control that person. I mean, yes. what if you have a falling out with the person that's controlling your finances? Well, or... that's what's interesting is that she was actually estranged from her father. That's what I thought. Yeah. So how did he get to be the one to be timing yeah. timing he came in at a time when obviously she was totally vulnerable and look she was clearly in a, like a high level of date she was not clearly well by her own admission um but they had been estranged there was a history of abuse mm. on his behalf within the family and just sort of like the megan markle those sort of celebrities who's have these fathers that come out of nowhere and you know, start selling stories mm -hmm. or start trying to get notoriety through their, you know, their own daughter or son or whoever it is. Like Lindsay Lohan's parents. Exactly. So it kind of seems weird that um, I wonder how are there systems in place to vet the person who is responsible for, for Brittany or anyone else for that matter. Yeah. I find it bizarre and I, I wonder, I don't actually know if it really exists here in Australia too much. You, you have what's called a guardianship here, which is yes. similar to a conservatorship, whether or not it's over somebody's estate, so more of their financial dealings or over them personally, like their treatment decisions, etc. Like you do have medical guardianship that you can take over an adult. And I think that um, I know when my uncle was really sick with cancer before he died, mm. I know that my dad was very much in control mm -hmm. of you know, making decisions in terms of 
medical appointments, but also his estate. Um, and, you know, they're not related. My dad's his best friend. So, mm. and I've always referred to him as an uncle, but it seems bizarre that it can be so easy. So did she, was she the one that decided? No, no, no. So, so this was when she was sort of on the psychiatric hold uh, when she was removed from her home because she locked herself in the house with one of her children and mm. she only had very you know infrequent visitation rights at that point because of her erratic behavior previously remember she shaved her head yes. she was hitting the paparazzi's car with her umbrella yeah. uh, all kinds of things that were the result of years and years and years of harassment by the paparazzi and having been in the you know uh in show business from the age of four and being micromanaged and controlled her entire not just adult life but her entire life um so this is where this conspiracy thing came in that i wasn't aware of uh there's a woman by the name of lou taylor who has a financial management business in america and she tried to intervene when Lindsay Lohan around the same time was having all of her legal troubles and getting arrested and, you know, being forced into rehab, etc. She showed up out of nowhere and got in the ears of Michael and Dina Lohan to try to convince them to do the same thing, which months later, she then approached the Spears family with the same suggestion. So it didn't work with the Lohans because they were not able to get a similar level of control over Lindsay Lohan. And then Lou Taylor, this individual, moved on to the Spears family, got in uh, the father's ear, got him into a position where he became conservator. And she, for an extended period of time, I think it was the next four years, was linked in with uh, the conservatorship and was making money off it. And do these people... Yeah, again, it's almost... And she showed up... Like I've tried to find out who is this woman. She just showed up in Hollywood out of nowhere, turning, like big superstars mental health into a business yeah that's that's what i find bizarre is that um there clearly is a market for that Mm -hmm. um especially in hollywood but um i wonder if it's the same here if there's a market for it in australia potentially i don't think that we have sort of superstardom or celebrity on that scale like we're talking like one tour one album one tour is like 120 million dollars or something mm. so it was interesting because i saw that law es- experts have come out and publicly stated that it's and they're not involved with this case specifically but law experts have come out and said it's incredibly unusual for someone as young and capable of working as britney spears to be in something as overbearing and controlling as a probate conservatorship for 12 years yeah and that's a really great point because within a couple of months of jamie spears her father coming in and taking control she was working on an album, mm. planning a tour, did a documentary, this is... did an episode of How I Met Your Mother, and they were making a stipend off that because they were all uh, earning money from the conservatorship as management. And I guess where the questions come is how can someone be functioning to launch an album yep. to you know appear on work. a sitcom yeah. show up for work <laughs> do a be... four-year las vegas residency in the last 12 years that she can't even vote or use her own social media on her own but to be so successful yet um be under this cloud of sort of like a jail mm. really yeah um i i find the whole thing really off yeah um i think that it almost the whole idea of a conservatorship beautiful um (laughs) really kind of questions the whole idea of democracy and your right to freedom of speech to freedom of anything 
And this is someone who really doesn't have rights now. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like um, she is a second-class citizen, mm-hmm. which is really ironic because she is a very successful singer. She is a businesswoman, is a, business a performer. Woman. She's worked her ass off from the age of four. Her mm. family have been financially dependent on her from a very young age. And now she's essentially in a prison of that success mm. because... I mean, the idea that she's been in this thing for 12 years and the argument from her carer's father, the team of people who are, you know, most incentivized for her to stay in this controlling uh, legal situation, say, you know, people don't understand, you know, the severity of her mental health issues, blah, blah, blah. Well, these kinds of arrangements are usually reserved for people who are elderly, people who might be suffering from dementia, people who are disabled, and again most of the feedback from people in a legal position to comment have said this is not usual for for her to be in it for a short period of time like a temporary conservatorship until they could obviously get her treatment and get her to a place where she was more stable and to be able to surround her with you know uh mental health care etc that would support her fine but 12 years it's a long time it's a long time and also someone who is a mother as well Mm -hmm. i mean i wonder I don't know how old her kids are, but I mean, it just seems very, very bizarre. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I mean, this is what I, how I'm reading it is that this is someone who profits off getting these deals put in place, mm-hmm. who actively seeks out people who are vulnerable yes. to make money off. Mm-hmm. And anyone would know that. Britney Spears's father and her were estranged. It's well known. Mm. So has this person, this woman who has set this up, what is her uh, motivation behind it? It has to be money. Absolutely. It, it is not care Mm-mm. because let's face it, when you run a business as well, you are looking to make money. Yes. But the problem is, is that she's just picked a family member Mm -hmm. and we know as well most people not everyone is close with their family Mm -hmm. i mean some people the last person they'd want is for their family to be in control of them Mm -hmm. so i wonder where in a way it sort of um would have seemed more logical if she actually had her own legal representation Mm -hmm. before this happened to so there was sort of a check and balance with that mm-hmm. so you've got this person approaching her with this idea and her dad but where's her representation that's right and as well she does have represent don't get me wrong she does have representation she doesn't have the right to elect her own representation yeah exactly. so the person who's incentivized to potentially allegedly mm. keep her stuck in this thing is also the person choosing her legal representation mm if and when she ever wants to contest the conservatorship, which she has. It went to uh, a judge this week Mm. about whether or not he could be removed as conservator. Obviously, she wants to end the conservatorship. See, I've caught it now. I can't say it anymore. Um, And it was not uh, wrapped up and there was a co-conservator who was appointed. So she didn't get what she wanted. She didn't get her father removed but there is now a co-conservator to sort of oversee alongside him his right. conduct and what's happening so with his financial dealings, This co-conservator obviously would be sort of bringing more balance yes. to the situation. Yes, more oversight. Um, yeah. And that- she said within sort of the court filings that she would not perform again as long as her father was a conservator. 
and that she was in fear of her father. He was actually accused last year of assaulting one of her sons. Mm. So how a judge can look at his even more recent conduct, but even what's been reported since she was a child, that there was quite a bit of abuse in the home, particularly domestic violence between uh, Jamie Spears and I think it's Lynn Spears, her mother. Uh, How he can be seen for all this time as the most appropriate person to be you know in control of her personally and her estate is just outrageous and a judge's role in australia as well is is to make sure that um you know that there are these balances and checks and so for a father to have this sort of questionable character and for a judge not to really uh, question that or even his mental health mm-hmm. really says a lot about the justice system mm-hmm. in the United States as well um, I think most people I mean her not performing okay we are now seeing the free Britney movement so she can perform mm-hmm. putting pressure but that pressure is not going to do too much when it's when it when there are laws in place. What's that pressure going to do? Well, it's not going to make a judge. No, well, no, not necessarily. But the Free Britney movement is really the ultimate goal is to get the conservatorship to come to an end. Mm. And look, we can all say and speculate whatever we like. We don't really know what her medical or mental state is, etc. But as we sort of touched on, I think it's an important thing to reflect on. You know how much independence and agency do we give people even if they do have mental health issues right she's clearly capable enough and has enough agency to be able to as we've mentioned like uh, engage in business dealings and have a four-year pretty back-breaking las vegas residency Mm. but she can't have the agency to vote use her social media the way that she likes even have oversight over her financial Mm. dealings it's all just too weird. I was really skeptical going into it. I was like, oh, okay, what is everyone going on about? It's really, like you said, something stinks. Something does not add up. The one thing I sort of um, thought about when I read about this was that when someone elderly goes into care to a nursing home and um, really their life is somewhat taken over by the people managing a nursing home or an aged care home, but also their family. So a lot of elderly people don't want to go into a nursing home, mm-hmm. but eventually it gets to a point where they have to because it's the strain on the family. Yeah. But there was a case that I reported on a few years ago where there was an elderly man there who had dementia, and we know that dementia patients can be quite aggressive. Yes. It's very erratic. It's really a sad disease. And uh, the family that kept visiting this aged care facility in Seaforth, it was the Booper aged care facility yeah. in Sydney, and uh, uh, the family noticed that there were all these unexplained injuries yeah. on their elderly man, this elderly man. And eventually what they did was, which is illegal, they put a camera in his room, mm-hmm. a, a hidden camera, and the abuse was caught on camera. Mm-hmm. And then the family... Um, took that video to the cops and they saw it and, um, you know, there was legal action taken. Um, so it's interesting that um, someone who is as young as Britney Spears has this cloud of control hanging over her, mm-hmm. but we're talking about someone who's quite young yeah. and this elderly man in a home. So it's kind of... It's kind of raises questions about 
um, the loss of control when you're older. Yes. But for it to happen now seems really bizarre. It's tragic. As the more and more that I researched it this week, I just felt sadder and sadder for this Mm. young woman who has lost 12 years of her life being whatever it could have been if she had had more uh, independence and more capacity to make choices for herself where the preceding years she also didn't have a lot of choice she was heavily managed and controlled from Mm. a young age she's never known what it is to be sort of free or have any kind of real agency over her own decisions personal or business Mm. it's really tragic and even like i said if she does have mental health concerns to any degree if she is capable of working she is capable of doing all these things which make all these people a lot of money and doesn't have dementia yeah and she also has the resources that even if she is unwell to some degree she doesn't probably need this degree of control she may need some support and some oversight is there a mental health over the top carer involved in this process i I don't know i don't know how the system works in that sense whether or not she's got a caseworker or whatever it might be because that would be interesting to know because this is based on mental health Mm. the reason that she can't control her own life anymore Mm. but i wonder how much mental health science is backing up the need for a conservatorship yeah how she's being how she's being assessed Mm. yeah that's not something that i i I'm aware of. I haven't mm. seen too much reporting on no. how it's actually... And maybe as well, we know mental health and medical records are private. Yeah. And uh, there's the whole need to respect someone's privacy with mm. their medical history. So maybe we're not hearing that side as well, mm. which is, uh, I guess, kind of, you know, takes away part of the narrative. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to know if that is a factor at all. Yeah, I think my keen my key takeaway was that there's just such a lack of transparency Mm. overall which just you know brings up the hairs on the back of your head to go like what's going on here yeah do you know what i mean like this stuff just doesn't quite add up um but yeah i just think it's an interesting story from the perspective of 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 mental health and Mm. obviously a bit of pop culture in there as well but also like what i thought were conspiracy theories they actually have a fair bit of legitimacy to them at, at least to raise questions and I wonder if we'll hear more about those type of arrangements generally. I mean, there hasn't been any, um, for as far as I'm aware, examples drawn to her or mm. compared. So they're not saying, well, you know, in this area it's different. We're not seeing a whole groundswell movement mm. of against maybe conservatorships or Uh, any sort of debate around it it's more just focused on her and i wonder well that's what these law experts have said is this is so unprecedented yeah that yeah the whole thing just raises so many questions so i think you know we can not make any kind of major assessment here but it certainly as i dove into it i just went from skeptical to Mm. oh my god and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there are just some really, really strange things going on in that situation. Yeah, it is. And this is someone who is at her most vulnerable and now probably will continue down that road. Mm. And and, ho- and it seems like something like this could actually work in a reverse yeah, way. could exacerbate and the issue. actually exacerbate the mental That's health. Right. Exacerbate the issues that this person already has with yep. trust, with... Um, you know, uh, ever being able to sort of um, develop, develop relationships, as a human, and yeah, exactly. To be a good mother again, to yeah. get back on track, exactly. Um, it's a 
Yeah, it's something that I find very, very bizarre. Yeah, so I'll keep an eye on that one and keep you yes. updated. Yes. Um, there was quite a sweet story that you wanted to share with us this I week, do. which I, I saw the headline, I saw a little bit of it, but I wanted you to tell me fresh when you tell everybody listening. Okay. What was this lovely story that you covered this week? So on Sunday afternoon, there was a guy called Laurie Adams who lives in public housing in inner city Sydney. Mm-hmm. Now... He doesn't have any friends or family. He's 82 years old. He has emphysema. He has dementia. He's partially blind. And uh, he also just recently had a spinal fuse. So his walking's not great. But he is very independent and he's someone who treasures that independence. Mm. Now, Laurie has a mobility scooter, which we see often old people zooming around in their scooters. With a little orange flag. I know when my grandpa lost his walking ability we got him a mobility scooter it even had a pirate flag on the back of course it did and uh when he eventually moved into a home adam and i would have my brother would have a uh, race time races around <laughs> the nursing home so we'd do loops like time codes and uh and it was yeah anyway so they're really quite fast they, they help someone immensely mm. so he has a red viper mm. And what happened was, is that because of his dementia, he's kept the key in the ignition mm. um, so he doesn't lose the key. Mm. So what he did that Sunday afternoon is he needed to go to the shops. And this is someone who's 82, who doesn't rely on nursing, doesn't go to an aged care home. He's someone who really wants to stick with his own independence. Mm. Now, his house, his small unit, it literally the door opens onto the street and there's a coffee shop next door and then it's just a quiet street in inner city Sydney. Now, of course, being inner city, there are a whole bunch of different characters and that's what we love about um, living in the city. It's such a diverse crowd. Mm -hmm. But what happened was is that he put his scooter outside with the key in the ignition and then he went inside and he fell asleep. He had a cup of tea and he fell asleep. Mm. And so the scooter was outside, but he has a whole lot of things outside. So he he feeds birds, especially the ones that came from the bushfires when they were escaping smoke in Australia when we yeah. had a horrible season. So he'd, he'd feed the birds. Um, it is a lower socioeconomic area. It's in a city, so you've got to mix, right? And uh, he collects recycled toys and gives but cleans them up and gives them to children on the street. So he's a really lovely guy. And so he had a nap and then he came outside and his scooter was gone. Now, of course, we have two legs. I have two arms. You know, we can move anywhere very easily. But for him, it was a real shock because it means I can't go anywhere. Mm. I can't go to the doctor. I can't go to the shops i don't have family or friends mm-hmm. so the panic that would have come over him would have been immense so laurie contacted the police and they conducted an investigation and <clears throat> then they released some cctv vision of this man in a this culprit who stole the scooter in a um a helmet so he couldn't see his face and he got on the scooter and rode it down a street and was never to be seen again. Now, I woke up the next morning and saw this press release from New South Wales Police and 
and thought, oh, this is, you know, mobility scooter taken. I didn't really think too much of it. And then I came into work. My boss sort of said, we should be doing this story. And I sort of was um, a bit perplexed because I didn't realize it's just a scooter. Someone's scooter's been taken. Um, You know, the ABC is a national news service. You know, is this really going to be national news? Yeah. But I think it deserves it. Mm. So I said, well, if I can find this man, we should definitely do it. So we, I went around and I found him. He was sitting out there with his tea and he's the most kind, gentle soul. And he was devastated. Aww. Could not stop crying. Lovely guy. Sa- said that um, it's like someone taking your leg. Mm. Or So what happened was um, we did the story. He was interviewed by ABC, Channel 7, all the major networks. And, uh, and then we put it out there because we thought, well, if people see this story, see this old man who's had his scooter taken, um, surely someone will feel bad enough to return it, just drop it outside his house, mm. or there'll be an arrest, someone would have seen the scooter. So uh, basically that happened on Sunday, we did the story on the Monday, and then Tuesday night there was an arrest. And the man that was arrested, Jason Pye, um, he lives in Maroubra Way down south in Sydney. And what is alleged to have happened is that this man, who's much younger than Laurie, probably half his age, mm-hmm. um, took it for a joyride, got oh on the light rail, God. which is a light rail is sort of like, like a, train. a train that's overground, took the scooter on the light rail and went all the way down you know heaps further from laurie's place to his own home now it turns out this guy has terminal cancer oh, God. but the thing is this isn't a but also allegedly has a history of drug use uh is someone who i guess you know is a bit off the rails himself yeah but it doesn't excuse no, taking someone's scooter of course scooter. not of course not and context is important but no what laurie said was that when he found out that this guy had cancer, he said, I feel sorry for him. Why didn't he just knock on the door oh, and say, God can I have love. $50 or can I have the scooter um, instead of just taking it? Because that he he would have known that it's a mobility scooter. There are aids on there to help someone who is uh, sight impaired, but also can't move. His movement's restricted. Mm. So um, the cops found the scooter um, it was returned to him. Mm. It was a big press um, event at his home and the scooter was returned and he was so upset and he said, I've never had so many people care. And he was so upset. He was crying and he said, you know, when you're 82, no one cares about you anymore. Why didn't I read about this story before you told <laughs> me? Um, and he said, because when you're 82, no one cares about you anymore. And... Um, and it really raises a lot of uh, questions about elderly people being isolated in communities and isolated in cities and how you should really, really always look out for an older person. If you see an elderly person on the street and they're crying or they look distressed or even if they're just sitting there normally, it doesn't hurt to say, hey, going, oh, are you morning. okay? Good morning. Because those small conversations can really um, make sure that 
society's functioning because yeah. it's not functioning when you ignore an elderly person even if they're just sitting outside on a street maybe they're waiting for an uber but you don't know that yeah. so the assumed knowledge of surely someone's looking out for them yeah. is is completely dangerous mm. and uh so, um, but the night before his scooter was returned to him, we had a lot of ABC viewers write in, which was really nice, emails saying um, we had someone from Melbourne, a guy called Hugo, who was lovely, uh, Vivian in Sydney, and we had um, Simon, who is the CEO of a future super fund, um, saying... You know, and I was getting so many emails and I was like, I was at the gym and I was sort of like trying to organize this scooter. <laughs> and I'm trying for... to prioritize my beauty. Well, and I, you my, know, my but, but it's one of those things where, um, where oh, you do dear. your story and I thought, oh, hold on. And so I was replying to emails, calling, and I just was so overwhelmed by the response. And I thought I have to do this. Yeah. I mean, my job is not to find an old man a scooter or, yeah. or fix the problem. It's to, to put the message out there. But of course, I, I tried to help. So I um, called all these people and then they said, maybe we can get him a scooter. I said, that's great. You know, that'd be great. Um, I mean, it's not for me to push that. But if you want to do that, I'm happy to call. So I called Laurie and and because he has dementia too. Um, so I had to keep reminding him who I was. And so it was a really difficult. And how do you make sure other networks aren't getting him scooters? Yeah. Because um, he has dementia. So every time you call him, you have to explain it again. Yeah. And so it was a really um, challenging uh, story because what do you, how do you communicate with someone who has dementia and try and solve a crisis for them where there's no next of kin, yeah. there's no family. So it's really difficult. Yeah. Every day is like the same, the new conversation. Mm. So and then I got another email from a woman called Mary and who has a son called Duncan who has who is disabled mm-hmm. and she said that he has a scooter at his home that you could pick up and and just drop around and that's fine so of course i texted my boss at like 10:30 at night which is really not in the realm of my <laughs> job description saying mark we need to um we need to does abc have a truck or something like <laughs> Um, I'll get in early and maybe we can, can get the we truck. Can we hire a U-Haul? Does someone have a truck driving license and we can drive over to Duncan's place, pick up the scooter. He's going to charge it tonight, leave it out the back. He's got work, but we can go around the front gate and get it God and then you, get the scooter and bring it back. And I was like, and meanwhile, I'm like not even engaged in the gym anymore. Like yeah. I'm so busy on my phone yeah. and talking. Which that takes a lot. But there's this loud music, like I'm in a club yeah. talking to all these people. And um, anyway, I was like... And Mark, my boss, said, I think you need to go to bed and we'll, we'll work that. I said, but we have to do the follow story tomorrow. And then, of course, there was the development that he got his scooter back. So Simon, who um, was the CEO of this future fund, super fund, I called him and said, you know, I, I asked him to tell everyone, Vivian Hugo in Melbourne, and I called Duncan and said, don't need that anymore. <laughs> and I was like, I had so many numbers in my phone, but I hadn't saved any. And I was like, God Who damn. Who am I calling? Who am I calling? And uh, I'm not complaining, by the way. No, I'm no, just, no, it's no, just no. the it chaos around it. Yeah, yeah. And and my job is to do stories, yeah. not to um, to, to fix the problem. Yeah. But, but, you know, when you see someone crying like that and you've done a story on them, 
you can't just end it there. Some oh, the story's people done. Do. Some people it's filed do. at seven PM. It's gone on TV. It's done. Mm. So, so Simon said, I said, look. Um, and of course I got consent from Laurie. I called him first and said, do you mind me putting in touch? And then I was also worried about putting people in touch with him too, because you don't know who's out there. I know. You don't know what's going to happen, but these guys were, they, they were really genuine. And I spoke to him on the phone for a while. And anyway, so, um, Simon said, look, I have money. Um, why didn't I pop around there anyway? And I was on another story, child exploitation abuse story, so I couldn't follow the story. So my mm. colleague Kathleen Ferguson did it, and she did a great job. Mm. So I was devastated. I couldn't do the story, but of course, this child abuse ring, which was awful, mm. um, I had to do that. Yeah. So it was taken out of my hands. And it always happens when I do crime, and there's a nice story. And I'm something like, I follow, and then something bigger happens, up, and yeah. I get taken off it. Yeah. I can't do the fun, you know, the warm story yeah, of yeah. Laurie, life after Laurie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so uh, Simon went round and, and spoke to him, and I said, oh, maybe you can ask him um, if there's anything wrong with it or servicing or. And he said he lost his gla- his glasses, and Jacka were on that scooter, so yeah. they were taken. So. They got replaced. Thank you, Simon, for replacing them. And um, and he's all good, but he was so emotional. There was a part of me, body. I know I was lost without it. But i got to thank everybody and everybody. I, I don't know what to do now. I, I just want to pay somebody something, but what can I do? How can I thank somebody who, who's, who's got part of me body back, you know? And I, I don't know what I do, what I can do now. But I sorry, but I get emotional. I can't help it. The end of that story is that he got his scooter back it was his exact one he was zooming up and down the street again <laughs> and everyone in the street knows him and, yes. and it's social housing so everyone knows each other yeah and um and now a guy's just contacted me this weekend and he is a mogul some sort of businessman mm. who has all these toys that he wants laurie to give laurie to hand out to children oh, over christmas God. Um, and he will donate them all to him. So you kind of got a little Santa. Yeah. So Laurie, Laurie's got a whole career well, in television. Well, that's the thing is that like here's yeah. Laurie who doesn't have any friends, who's clearly such a sweetheart, like feeding birds and like I'm gonna lose it again. He's so emotional, <laughs> and he was so emotional, and like handing toys out to kids, and like he doesn't have any friends. No, it reminds no money. me of um, and no, and no, you know, he's someone who is. Uh, and as he said as well, he said, you know, the government um, gave me that scooter on, I think it would be maybe the National Disability Insurance Scheme or, yeah. you know, um, welfare payments. And so, and he said, the government can't keep replacing these things yeah. for us. And so he, I found that really interesting too, in that he was someone who said, the government can't keep giving me more because I'm someone who relies on government benefits and other people and do it's too. not fair for, for me to take more mm. and other people therefore missing out potentially so he's someone who is so nice yeah. and um it reminds and, me of this story um this man called Ray about four or five years ago it went viral 
Ray put up an ad, I think, on Gumtree mm. or Facebook, and it was like, it, you know that you know when you open your phone on the selfie camera and like yeah. you catch yourself from the chin angle. Yes, he'd taken that photo like mm. on a bus or something, mm. and he was clearly in like his mid to late seventies, mm. and he'd put out an ad looking for a friend mm. to go fishing with. Mm. And he was like, I don't have any friends. My mm. wife's passed away, yeah, and wow. I just want a friend to go fishing with. And I just looking at that, he's like. And I put it everywhere. I was like, can we all please find Ray a friend? <laughs> yeah. And he did. He had like in this influx of people. people. And so it's like this disconnect between this forgotten generation mm. of people. But you do have, you know, younger generations who, are, who would be invested if we just maybe had better avenues to bring people together. And I think the whole, you know, where we spend so much time on our phones yeah. these days and and With it's our almost like, in and, not and seeing most the people world. don't even find dates. Just you know, nope. meeting someone on the street or at a bus stop or a bar, even. Well, the bars are all barely moving. Um, so yeah, it was a really nice story, and uh, I haven't actually had time to go see Laurie again. So I will Maybe go see him. Maybe we should go him. and have a chat to him. Yeah, well, I will, I'll go see him this week when I get a break um, with work. But yeah. um, but yeah, so um. I think the moral of the story is don't be a dick no. and take someone's scooter. No, that's the it's first It's not funny lesson. to joyride someone's scooter. It's never funny. No. And if you happen to joyride someone's scooter, then just bring it back at least. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I mean, if you're going to be a dick, okay, sure. Yeah. It happens. And also people Be have a dick with restraint. Lapses in, you know, judgment, sure. Yeah, but yeah. surely when you're on that scooter, you're thinking... Someone Surely, an this. old man needs this, yeah. and, and and the and the thing is as well is that this this guy had terminal cancer who took yeah. it, but there's no sympathy no, there. There's no Just excuse. because you have a terminal illness or you have problems doesn't mean you can make it worse for other no. people. God no. Uh, it's not like oh, but but I also have issues. It's yeah. like no, I'm sorry, but they don't negate other people's issues. That's right. So um, in fact, if you're suffering, look up this you story. know you know better than most. Yeah, that you probably shouldn't perpetuate someone else's suffering you guys right? can find this story on the abc news australia website i'll pop you, it in the show notes if you type in laurie adams l-a-u-r-i-e um you'll find it in google news and, yeah. and mobility scooter key search terms yeah. you'll find it and it's a really nice story well that was a bit of a far-reaching little subject uh selection that we did mm. in this episode free britney and life after laurie <laughs> Two big hashtags. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, love, thank you, so, thank you for sharing that with me and giving me a nice Sorry, uh, cry, cry fest at seven thirty <laughs> at night on a Sunday. It's just what I needed to round off this week. Need the red wine or something. Um, uh, next week we should probably touch on your near miss with a career in porn this weekend, but oh. we'll save that for next episode. Bit of a teaser for everyone. Yes. Mark had a bit of a, a situation this a weekend, scary, which was a uh, scary situation. Yeah, scary, but we'll talk about it. Next week, because top of the episode, that teaser week. enough is I would be listening next week if I heard career in porn. I'm sure that you'll come back, and that's not a pun at all. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We're loving making these for you. We'll be back next Monday with a brand new episode of Unfiltered. I'll see you then, Mark. See you then. Have Bye. a good week. Bye.